0: This one is, have you ever said, and then I'm going to tell you, you know, things. Have you ever said, I love your hair, and not mean it? (laughs) Well, that's where I'm going next. Guys or gals, have you ever said to your significant other, you look great in that outfit? And were you lying? Y'all aren't, y'all said yes on the first one, because, you know, now they may be near you, so you're not going to admit that. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to play this little game. Have you ever said, and I'm going to, I'm going to give you some phrases, and I want to know, just, just, you just have to do a little nod. You don't even have to let your neighbor know you're nodding. But have you ever said these words and not meant them? First one. Have you ever said, I understand, and you have no clue what the other person's talking about? The men are not sure whether they should acknowledge that they've said that or not because I mean all of us have said that right come on I understand especially when you're talking male and female relationships if you say you understand the opposite sex 100% of the time you are lying and you need to confess your sins right now before God and everybody Um, okay here's the next one I believe you (laughs) you ever said that to your kids Actually, I don't say that one enough, do I? (laughs) I'm like, you are lying to me. I do not believe you. Prove it, you know. Okay, here's the next one. I love you. Go back. Janie and I have had this conversation, and she said to me one time, she asked me, have have you ever told somebody you loved them and you didn't? And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) And she goes, why? And I said, because it's what she wanted to hear. I was, I, was, I was a hard-hearted jerk. Okay, I admit that. But have you all ever done that? Yeah, because it's awkward. If, you want, if you're lonely and you want the relationship to continue, because, you know, there's not any better prospects around at the moment. I mean, come on. I'm, I'm not saying that happens now. I've been married for 16 years. Janie asked me the other day how many more years we have on our contract. It's 50, so 34 more years. And I told her, I've begun listing my, my negotiation points for the next 50 years. Um, I can't tell you, though. So, anyway, next one. I can't tell you what those are. I love you. All right, what's next? Have you ever said that and not really meant it? I hate you. Yeah, when, when you're in the heat of battle and somebody has hurt you deeply or made you mad or whatever, you've said, I hate you, right? And, and not meant it. Sometimes you meant it. <laughs> But, but most of the time we say that we don't mean it. Next one. Have you ever said I forgive you to somebody not really meant it? Still holding a grudge. Now, where we're going today is we're continuing our series in heart. And we, we talked about last week that the Iron Heart Award was probably presented to the thief on the cross that was next to Jesus that was hurling insults at him. And even right before death, You know, one one thief becomes tender-hearted and says, Jesus, remember me? The other one just keeps on hurling insults, is what the Bible says. And the the tender-hearted thief says the other one, you are moments away from death and inches away from the Savior, and you still have a hard heart? When we say words we don't really mean, that's an indication that our hearts are hard. And what we need is to have a heart transplant. And so this week and next week, we're going to continue talking about how you get a heart transplant. So I just want you to, to close your eyes for just a minute. We're going to pray and then we'll continue singing. And, and here's what, what I would like for you to pray. God, my heart is sometimes hard. Maybe for you, you admit that your heart is always hard. Say these words if if you'd be willing. God, today, make my heart tender. Open my eyes, my spiritual eyes, so I can see You. Open my spiritual ears so that I can hear You. And change my heart, God. Lord, I don't know who prayed that. I don't know who said those words and didn't mean them, but You do. And it's my prayer, God, that that each of us leaves this place changed because You've done a little bit of heart surgery on us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. appropriate to what we're um, talking about today, I wanted to travel back in time a few weeks and remind you of this video where um, these were misconceptions about Jesus. In this particular video, a lot of people think that all Jesus wants to know or all He cares about is your sins. So uh, watch this video and then we'll uh, head on into the sermon. since I last saw you. Well, don't try and hide because I'm Jesus. I will find you.
1: What's
0: <laughs> with you, Peter? You lied to your brother the other day. Andrew, you said a lovely word when you hit your finger with a hammer. James, you laughed at him when he hit the finger. <laughs> it like was You heard too much fun the other. Not played too much, just to make the end we fell asleep in church, didn't we? Yes, we did. And how you were slow dancing a little too
1: close with that girlfriend of yours. And you time for forgot your name so you're off the
0: hook. <laughs> Stella, I saw you smoking a cigarette behind that big rock the other day. And just, I hate to say I saw you skip up your little finger, So who cut you off and you on your life. <laughs> I'm Check if I don't mind you saying my name, but not back to you step your toe. Friends, you know what you did. I just can't repeat this because I'm
1: Jesus. All you
0: cynics, come with me. It's time to pay the piper. There's
1: only one cigarette. I've
0: heard that. Let all these sinners. All right. Listen up. Listen to me. I'm Jesus. Listen to what I have to say. I have done many wonderful things.
1: I have healed many people over Jesus. I have
0: all right now i don't think any of us would dispute the fact that we are all evil right let's just get that out in the open we all are evil we all do things say things that we don't mean and uh, that's really an indication of our hearts now um with that thought in mind, I want to ask you a couple more questions, and um, this is real important to where we're headed today. So, uh, question number one, what if a person asks Jesus to be the forgiver of their sins and the leader of their lives, but nothing changes? Will he still go to heaven? Don't answer that out loud. Don't answer that out loud. Just let that, let that roll through your mind. Or here's another way to ask it. Is it possible for a person to become a member of God's family and not be totally different, totally changed? Don't answer that. Let's, let's go to the Bible and let's see what the Bible has to say. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, What this means is that those who become Christians become new persons. Read that part that's underlined with me. They are not the same anymore. For the old life is gone, a new life has begun. This is where we get the, the name of our church. New life. That's what we represent is the fact that a person does not have to continue being what they were. They can become a new person. So according to this verse... It says that the old life is gone, the new life has come. Now, there's going to be wars within you. The Bible tells us that, that you're going to struggle with the old nature and the new nature because you don't get get free from this body and and the desires that we have. The desires themselves are good, but we can choose whether to use those desires for good or for bad. But the Bible says that a new life happens in a person who becomes a member of God's family. And so if a new life does not happen, if there is not any change, the answer to those first two questions, I believe is does that person go to heaven? I believe the answer is no. And I'm going to show you why. Now, um, here's, here's the deal. The way heaven is described in the Bible is it is a perfect place. And only perfect people get there. Only people with perfect hearts get to go to heaven. And so if we're all evil, if we all have imperfect, evil hearts, how many of us get to go to heaven? Zero. Again, this is what the Bible says but Christ did for us what we could not do so that we could have a heart transplant. And so that when we stand before God, it's not my evil heart that I present to Him as the basis for my getting into heaven. It's this new heart, this heart transplant, the heart of Jesus who is perfect and was perfect. I get His heart. He gets my heart. And then I stand before God and God looks at my heart and He says, that's the heart of Jesus. Come on in. But if I don't accept that heart, if I've not had a heart transplant, then the Bible is clear over and over that the destination of that person is hell. Because we get into heaven on the basis of our heart. If I do not have a new heart, I do not get into heaven. The old heart is not good enough to get us there. And see, every person who is born is a creation of God. But not every person who is born and is breathing is a child of God. Because becoming a child of God is a choice That each of us must make. And the reality is, most people in this life do not make that choice. Why? That's what we're going to look at today. If you have your Bibles, look at uh, Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. Drew informed me that it takes nine slides to get this on on the screen for you, because it's a long passage. But we've got to go through all of this. And um, So if you have your Bibles, follow along. You may want to mark some things in there. Um, If not, just follow along on the screen. Here it is. One day, Jesus told this story to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. This seed began to grow, but it soon withered and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns that shot up and choked out the tender blades. Still, other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop 100 times as much as had been planted. When he had said this, he called out, anyone who is willing to hear should listen and understand. If you've ever read this in a different translation, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus said this all the time. He's always talking about hearing. Because you know, if you're a parent, you know how it's, or, a, or you're married, you know how sometimes you're focusing on something and you know there's voices in the room and yet you don't actually hear what they said? Huh? If th- Yesterday, Rachel is telling me this story and I'm watching TV. I have no clue what the girl said. And I had to put, you know, luckily we have pause now because what's on television is so important that I can't miss it, that I pause it. And I turned and I said, would you say that again, baby? Because I have no clue what you just said. Jesus says, yo, pay attention. You got ears? Use them. Don't just hear the words, listen to the meaning. Here it is. He replied, um, his disciples asked him what the story meant. He replied, "'You have been permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God, but I am using these stories to conceal everything about it from outsiders so that the Scriptures might be fulfilled. They see what I do, but they don't really see. They hear what I say, but they don't understand. This is the meaning of the story. The seed is God's message.'" Remember that. That's a big deal. The seed is God's message. "'The seed that fell on the hard path represents those who hear the message, but then the devil comes and steals it away and prevents them from believing and being saved.'" The rocky soil represents those who hear the message with joy, but like young plants in such soil, their roots don't go down very deep. They believe for a while, but they wilt when the hot winds of testing blow. The thorny ground represents those who hear and accept the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. So they never grow into maturity. But the good soil represents honest, good-hearted people. There it is, good-hearted. I would say new-hearted is... is uh, An accurate translation as well. Good-hearted people who hear God's message, cling to it, and steadily produce a huge harvest. Now, Jesus not only shared this parable, this story, but He also gave us the explanation to help us understand that there are several different responses to God's message. This Bible contains God's message. We call the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we call them the Gospel. That means good news. The good news of this book is can be received in several different ways and Jesus gives us the explanation of what those, those ways were. Now, in order for us to fully understand this, got to understand what it was like to plant back then. Alright, so in, in, in the Middle East, a farmer would plow, break up the ground, and then he would toss seeds out on the ground. Anything to help you remember? Now... This seed, God's message, would land in four different types of soil, which represent four different types or conditions of hearts. So, let's look at those and let's figure out. And Jesus said, if you have ears, use them. The message today... What, did you not get one, Nathan? Here you go, bud. You're just laughing, so I, Okay, there we go. I didn't want you to be left out, bud. Okay, I'll explain it. Listen and understand, Nate. All right, four types of hearts. The first type on your listening guide, the calloused heart. Now, this is a a huge deal today because um, scholars have argued for thousands of years about the meanings of, of this parable, about these conditions of hearts, and where these people end up. All right, so we're going to look at the four conditions, and we're going to ask that same question Does this heart condition end up in heaven? Well, scholars almost, you know, from every side, every scholar that I've read, whether they're liberal, conservative, in the middle, all of the scholars agree this first condition of heart ends up in hell, all right? So there's not a whole lot of debate about this condition, this category. These people end up in hell. Um, That's because the Bible makes it clear that a proof of where you're going to go, the proof of your heart's condition is actions, not what you say. Not what you say you believe, not what you think, not what you feel. The proof of your heart condition is in your actions. And the proof of of this one is that there is no fruit. If you are really a believer in Christ, the Bible says you will produce fruit. But this person has this type of condition of heart. Can you all tell what's in there? Ah, I used an orange last week. You would be wrong. It's actually a Spider-Man ball. But you can't tell that, can you? Because here's what happens. This person has said no to God so repeatedly. That's what we defined as sin last week, saying no to God. That that it is so hard, this heart is so wrapped up that you can't tell the condition of it. This is a hard, calloused heart because it has sinned and said no to God. And what the Bible tells us is that in uh, Luke 6, 45, a good person produces good deeds from the good what? Heart. An evil person produces evil deeds from an evil what? heart whatever is in your heart determines what you say if you want to know the condition of a person's heart listen to what they are saying listen to the way they talk my oldest brother was a pastor several years ago and the very first church that he was at small country church um he went to and he began preaching and teaching and 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 you know doing the things that a new pastor would do one day he had a lady come up to him after he'd read this particular passage and preached and long story short she she said why why did you preach that and my brother's response was because, well, it's, it's in the Bible. Her response was, I don't care what the Bible says. We are not doing it that way in this church. Um, what condition would her heart be in? <laughs> kind of like this. Maybe worse. You couldn't tell what was in her heart. And, and see, here's the deal. If you've ever said, I don't care what the Bible says, you have a hard heart. You have a calloused heart. I'll give you an example. I don't care what the Bible says about divorce. I don't care what the Bible says about drinking. I don't care what the Bible says about tithing. I don't care what the Bible says about not marrying someone who's a non-Christian. I don't care what the Bible says about forgiveness. I don't care what the Bible says about serving. I don't care what the Bible says about… You fill in the blank. If that's your attitude, this is the condition of your heart. And I would seriously question whether you are in the family of God or not. Because the calloused heart does not get to heaven. And and so here's the the key question. Do the things of God bore you? And I don't mean does the way the church does service bore you. (laughs) Sorry. I mean, if you make the Word of God boring, you're messed up. Because this is the most exciting, relevant book ever written. Why, that's why it's the bestseller of all times. Nothing else is even close. Because this matters. It's the Word of God, it's the message of God. And, and if you'll read it, oh man, it'll change your life. But here's what I mean Does uh, everything the church stand for bore you? Do you hate church? Do you hate small groups? Do you hate serving? Do you hate other Christians? Does the Bible bore you? And I don't mean the King James Version. These and thou's and verily's. Thy will be done. I'm not talking about that. I mean, because now, here I have the student's life application Bible. If you're a new Christian, this is a great Bible for you to have. Because it's in today's English. And then there's all kinds of articles on the side to help you understand different things that are kind of difficult to understand. It's a great Bible. And I use it all the time. I mean, does everything the church stands for and promotes, does it bore you? If it does, then I would would say you're probably in the calloused heart category and you need a heart transplant today. There's a second condition of heart. This is called the cowardly heart. This represents the uh, emotional hearer quickly hears and responds to the message and then just uh, lets it go. Now, um... Is it possible for one of these little seeds I chunked out, is it possible for them to grow in shallow soil? Sure. But what kind of root system would it have? Shallow. Very shallow. Y'all are good. So um, when the sun comes up on something that has shallow roots and we get into the dog days of summer, what is going to happen to that plant? It's going to die because there is no deep root. Um, every year, I don't know why I read it all the time, because I, I don't generally do it, because I'm too cheap to water my grass. But every year they say that, that less frequent deep waterings of your grass will help you make it through the summer. If you do frequent shallow waterings, what you're doing is you're promoting the uh, roots to stay about an inch deep. But if you'll do less frequent waterings, the roots will go down deep. You'll train the roots to go deeper to get water. So then when the dog days of summer come, what happens? It lasts. I just get tired of mowing it and paying water, so I just don't. Mine dies. But if I were a good steward of my grass, I would do deep waterings and it would have a deep root system. Well, the sun represents the testing that's going to come to every person who claims to be a follower of God. And we'll find out real quickly how deep your roots are. Because when testing comes, the cowardly heart runs. <laughs> we were watching America's Funniest Home videos. And there were two little, little kids, probably four years old, and you know, they've been taking karate. And they're at a karate tournament. And so they come out, you know, they're real cute, walking out, they're real cute, and they have to bow to the referee and they have to bow to each other. And then he says, fight. Well, these two kids come out and they bow, they bow. And as soon as he says fight, this kid comes running forward. The other kid turns and hightails it out of there. And they're like, whoa, 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 stop. And they bring him back in three times. I mean, I'm sure he did it the whole time. And every time he would turn and run. Because he may have been trained to fight and he may have been dressed to fight, but he wasn't fighting. Well, if we're going to take this spiritually, what is the condition of your heart when you're around non-Christians. Okay, let's just take off a few layers so you can actually see kind of my Spider-Man ball inside here. This represents your heart. If on Sundays you're way up here spiritually near God, but on Mondays you're down here, and then on Sundays you're up here and down here and up here and down here, you're not consistent. You have a cowardly heart. And there's nothing fun about the message that I have to share with you today. And and if you don't say, ouch, then maybe I haven't done my job very well. The goal is consistency, not up one day, down the next, up one day, down the next. Um, one of the things that, that David said is, let your good spirit lead me on level ground. What he's talking about is, God, let me be consistent. We're not looking for perfect people. We... <laughs> hang out with any of us come out to the building and watch somebody hit their thumb and they may not say it but they're probably thinking it (laughs) you didn't say that as loud jeff uh amen amen um we are not perfect people we're not building a perfect building it's going to be really cool but we are normal people who mess up but consistent people will say oh i messed up i'm sorry would you forgive me? Consistent people um, don't show up one Sunday and then, you know, eight years later come back. Um, and, and I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad, you know. I understand people missing. That's that's totally understandable. But if what we do every week, if we're sowing seed, <laughs> how much does the seed, the message of God, how much does that chair remember? None. So, if we're sowing to empty seeds, or if we're uh, seats, if we're sowing to empty hearts, or calloused hearts, or shallow hearts, how much fruit is going to be produced in our church? None, or, or at least very little. So, I guess really the question is are you one of these, or are you one of these? You know what this is? Thermometer. Yeah, it, I know it's hard. I'm cheap, 94 cents. Um, I was not going with the $20 model just to make a point. 94 cents, the thermometer. What does the thermometer do? Simply gauges the temperature and reflects the temperature in the room, which is just above 70, and that's not comfortable for some of you. I'm hot, so some of you are cool. But this, all this does is it reflects the temperature of the room. You know what this is? Thermostat. It actually has little settings here. We can start at 55. We can go up to 85. What is the purpose of this? Control to change, influence the situation in the room. So in this one, if you're a thermometer, all you do is you act like the people you're around. If you're a thermostat, you influence the people you're around. And I don't mean, oh man, I don't mean that, that you offend people and you stand outside with with pickets, you know, yelling at people that don't agree with you. I mean integrity friendships and, and I don't know if... Let me explain what integrity friendship means. Integrity friendship means I can be me and my friend can be my friend and the condition of His heart does not affect the condition of my heart and if I really love Him, I'll have some influence in his life. Does that make sense? If you are up one day and down the next, your friends know it. And you know how, how much spiritual influence you have in their lives? None. Because your way of doing church and God and spiritual life doesn't work. Why would they, if, if you're miserable in your walk with Christ, why would anybody in their right mind <laughs> try to do spirituality your way? People are looking for something that works. And when we do things God's way, it works. So the key question there is, are you consistent? Now, Jesus loved people and influenced people, and that's how I want to live my life. Now, there's a third condition of heart. It's called the crowded heart. And this is probably where 90% of all church people live. And this is probably the most dangerous level to be at. And here's why. Billy Graham, the most successful evangelist of our time, Hundreds of thousands of people have prayed and asked Christ to become the forgiver of their sins and the leader of their lives under His ministry throughout the world. He said one time, three out of four church-attending people are bound for hell. If you were to ask church people, they would probably identify themselves in this category. But if Billy Graham's right, if he has any spiritual insight... Three out of four people who say, yes, I'm a regular church attender, are going to hell because they've not had a heart transplant. They maybe said the words... I was a youth minister for 19 years and I, I got tired of people coming, coming to me after 20 years of what they thought was being a Christian and saying, man, I have no clue... I walked down the aisle because I was scared. I walked down the aisle because my friend did. I walked down the aisle because my mama wanted me to. And I said some words. I don't even remember what I said. And if, if the whole deal for a heart transplant is you have to mean what you say and you just... Re- we used to pray the Lord's Prayer before every football game in junior high. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thine... I didn't even know what hallowed meant. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And I'm like, give me more than bread. I can't live on bread. (laughs) Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. (laughs) What is that? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Yeah, let's kill them. I mean, we pray to prayer every stinking football game. Did we know what we were praying? No, the, the coach told us we had to do it. <laughs> so we prayed words that we did not mean. And if you pray words you don't, do not mean, you're just repeating something. God sees the condition of your heart. You've not changed. Now, let's, let's, let me give you a couple of very um, well-known examples. Judas was probably in this category, in category three. Judas was chosen by Jesus Christ himself to be one of the original 12 followers. He lived with Jesus for three years, hung out with Him, ate with Him, wherever Jesus spent the night, they all spent the night together, whether that was outside, in somebody's house. He was everywhere with Jesus. He was so important in the, in the disciples that Jesus gave him the job of being treasurer. If, you, if Surely if somebody in church is going to heaven, it's the treasurer. Y'all don't have enough church background to understand the irony of that statement. Um... But the, surely Judas was going to heaven, but, but everything... that We don't know. We don't know because we can't judge hearts. God can. But everything that, that we see from Scripture about his heart condition, more than likely, Judas ended up in hell. He was in Category 3. Someone in Category 3 could go to hell. Let me give you another example. Lot, Abraham's nephew, lived in Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember Sodom and Gomorrah? I mean, even people who've never gone to church have heard about Sodom and Gomorrah because God destroyed it with fire because they were so wicked and evil. And Lot lived there, and and he was such a thermometer that he began to reflect his culture. Because if you read, you can go back in in Genesis, and you can read this whole passage. But what happens is some angels, two angels, disguised as human beings, come to Lot to warn him that God's going to destroy the city. And he, they come inside, and, and the, the rule of hospitality in that day was, somebody comes in your house, you defend them to the death. So all the men of the city come banging on the door, and they say, "We want to have sexual relations with those new men who came into your house." And Lot says, "No! That's a very good decision. No, you cannot have these." And it, actually, it's kind of comical if you think about it. These were angels. What are men going to do to them? Actually, they strike them blind later, but that's, that's another part of the story. Great story. So he says, "No. But he's such a thermometer. You know what he does? You know what he offers as an alternative? I have two virgin daughters. Don't touch the men that I've never met before who are sleeping under my roof because the rule of hospitality says I have to protect them. Take my two virgin daughters and satisfy your sexual desires with them. No! Bad idea! Lot was probably in category three. And yet it seems to indicate from Scripture that Lot went to heaven. How do you know? We don't. So this is the most dangerous place to be. And I would say that Category 3 is probably the most miserable place to be. Because people in Category 3 know they should be experiencing a better life than what they're experiencing. They know that they should respond to to circumstances differently than they are. And they don't do it. So this is a miserable place to be. Category 1... We feel certain they're going to hell. Category four, we feel certain they're going to heaven. Category two, more than likely hell. Category three, don't know. Don't know, so I, I, I don't want you to be there. So here's the, here's the question, key question. What is your heart's first love? Because it becomes a matter of priorities. Your priorities will, will tell you your heart's condition. All right, very quickly, number four. The converted heart. We are sure this person ends up in heaven. And, and here's really how you know. People's actions will identify the condition of their heart. The calloused heart, we're real sure what they're doing. They reject everything about God. The converted heart. You come around them and you notice that they're they are at peace in the midst of chaos. Chaos. And they may not be perfect, but, but the way they react is, I'm going to trust God. I see the circumstances, but my God is bigger, and I'm going to trust God. And really, the, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, nine of them, this is where it's evidence. The fruit of this person's life is the fruit of the Spirit. Deep-seated trust that God is in control. Hebrews 11.6 says, It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that there is a God and that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. Faith, really simplified, is focusing on God. I focus on God more than my problem. My God is bigger than my problem. Well, how do you do that? The key is in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about Everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. If you do this, you will experience God's peace. Anybody need peace today? The amount of peace you have in your life is in direct proportion to the amount of time you've spent praying to your Heavenly Father. Little praying, very little peace. Lots of praying, lots of peace. Which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Okay, how many of you know how to worry? Real quickly, how many know how to worry? Some of you don't. Okay, thank you. If you know how to worry, you know how to worship. Because what are you doing when you worry? You're rehearsing something over and over and over in your mind. You're, you're meditating on it. You're regurgitating whatever's in your mind. If you will take that focus of your problem and move it to God and take the promises of God and meditate on those you begin to worship, that's when God begins to produce in you peace. When I wake up in the middle of the night, and I've done it a lot lately, ever since we started working on the building, I I wake up many nights and just go, oh, dear God, what do I do about this? Sometimes I get up and pray. Sometimes I get up and watch the Brady Bunch like I did the other night. (laughs) Three o'clock in the morning, that was about my only choice. I thought, I can lay here and worry, or I can get up and distract myself. smarter thing would have been to pray. If you'll focus on God, God will give you the peace that surpasses every understanding. So if you know how to worry, you know how to worship. So here's the deal. Um, You have faith in something. The key to whether you have peace today is the object of your faith. If the object of your faith is small, your peace is small. If the object of your faith is big... Your piece is big. So here's the key question. How are you different than you were six months ago? Where are you, Jason? Come on, man. I want to interview Just come sit right here. Alright, hold this close. Now, I, I, want to, I wanted to interview Jason to finish up our sermon today because I want you to... Listen to the condition of his heart and see if you can discern things. All right. Um, You and I talked a little bit about this the other day. Um, When you got out of high school, you went into the military. Um, You said you had some pretty rough days in the military and and you drank a lot. And uh, then when you and Danae first got together, you guys lived together. Right. Okay. So... Tell me the condition of your heart. You can see it now, but at the time you didn't know. What was the condition of your heart, hard or tender? Very hard. No. Tell me why you say that. What what convinced you your heart was hard?
1: <laughs> well, because I think, uh, looking back now, I think uh, my focus was entirely on myself. Um, uh, even though that uh, I had people in my life like Danae, and even part of me wanted to do good, uh, even in that relationship. I didn't want to treat her badly or I didn't have any bad intentions. But everything was revolved around me. And uh, so I think it was just very calloused uh, and, and, and in the way that, it, that, that I did things because I wasn't going to not be satisfied in anything that I did.
0: So everything, your whole goal was for your satisfaction? Yes. What was your attitude towards God at this time? Um,
1: <laughs> I don't even know if I had one at that time. I'd given up on uh, the whole idea of God. I didn't... Um, I was of no opinion. I, I would say that, you know, when people would bring up God and want to talk about God. I said, well, I'm I'm not saying that there's not a God. I'm not saying that there is a God. I'm just saying I don't even care anymore is where I was at then.
0: And uh, so your relationship to God was non-existent. How did you treat other people during this time, um,
1: including Danae? Well, if you were good to me, then I was good to you. And if you you weren't good to me, then I wasn't good to you, you know. It's... Uh, I, I didn't, like I said, I, if you would ask me at the time, Jason, are you a moral person? I would probably have said yes. You know, I'm a good guy. Uh, but everything was relative to the way that uh, what you did for me or, you know, if, I, if, I didn't, if you didn't make me laugh, I didn't hang out with you. If you didn't give me something, then I didn't give you anything, you know.
0: Um, are you the same person today that you were back then? No. What happened and when did it happen to make a change in you?
1: Well, um, it happened probably just over three years ago. Um, God, I think, showed me exactly what I was. I I clearly saw myself more, uh, I mean, I I more clearly saw myself than I ever had before. Uh, One day when me and Danae had a big fight um, and... You know, it was so big of a fight. It was in the house. It was out of the house. You know, we were getting physical. And and when Alyssa called 911 and the cop showed up, I didn't even know she was the one that called 911 until the cop showed up. And I was more or less just kind of telling the cop, you know, just kind of cussing about the neighbors and needing to mind their own business and stuff. And they said, well, it was a little girl from your house that called us. That, That broke my heart. I think that day I realized it didn't matter what I thought I was. I knew exactly what I was. And, and this is important, too, because all I did that day was take one step to, towards God. I took one step towards God, and I felt the difference. Before then, I'd never even took a step. I was always, I'd always find some excuse to not do that. I'd always, I thought I knew what the Bible, I already knew what it said, and I didn't need to read it, you know, because I'd heard so much about it, and it was, I wasn't interested in it. But it was then that I actually said, okay, I don't know what to do. I want, to, I want God to tell me what to do because I can't do it.
0: And I remember you, a couple of things. One was um, you had this desire to find out what God wanted you to do, so you began reading your Bible, you began coming to church, and through a process, I saw you change. Because one of the things you said to Danae, he said, um, I can't love you the way you want to be loved. I cannot do it. Remember saying that? Yes. And, and so today, if you talk to Danae about this man, she'll say he's changed. I remember her talking about um, she likes to be held. He's not a hugger. And she was telling us one day that, that um, she goes, oh, it was so sweet last night. I snuggled up next to Jason and he put his arms around me and was going. <laughs> she said he had no clue what to do. He was petting me. <laughs> but that was sweet to her because never before would he have done that because that didn't, that didn't satisfy his needs. So what happened is he gave his life to God, took one step towards God. God put a new heart in him. Now, that heart, here's, here's the key. The heart became new. God took out the old and put a new heart in. It doesn't mean that all of this junk went away. But it means as Jason took a step towards God, God began to remove layers of junk. The heart was new. The life still had a bunch of junk, right? So he's taken several steps. And you see before you today, not a perfect man, but a changed man. Because God did heart transplant, removed the heart of stone, gave him a heart of flesh, gave him the ability to love his wife, gave him the ability to be humble, because... You would have said, you know, four years ago, when he first came to our church, he was actually tricked into coming to our church. <laughs> they thought they were going water skiing, right? Yeah. What was, your, what was your thought when you drove up and you realized that in your swimsuit and everything you had to come in and sit through a church service?
1: I mean, it was just like, oh, my gosh. I know somebody's going to try to convert me, you know. I just I, you know, I just was like, I don't want to be around these people, you know. Uh, maybe I can deal with it. Maybe it'll be short, you know. It's kind of
0: thing. <laughs> So I remember that when we were meeting in a computer shop, and he, he comes in, and I remember meeting him. I knew Danae before from years in youth ministry. I didn't know Jason until that time. They came, and, and you didn't come for a long time after that. Right. Because during that, it's probably over a year before you came again, and, and that's when God started working in his life. And, and Jason finally said, I'll take one step. And so all you have to do is take one step. Do you regret that step? No,
1: no. It's it's one of the best things that's ever happened to me. And go ahead, preach, man. <laughs> well, I it's it's amazing how God can transform your mind because you think you know exactly what it's about. You think you know everything. You think, um, well, I know what God is. He's a he's a he's a mean, you know. Uh, like like maybe you would view your earthly father, you know, as a, a overbearing kind of guy, you know, and and just you know looks down his nose at me when I make mistakes, and uh, that that's that's not the kind of God God is, you know, and and I didn't know that until I um, you know took one step towards him and and took the time to listen to what he was trying to say to me, and all my friends and all the the uh, the influences in my life, the people that said, "Jason, if you don't quit all that stuff you're doing, you're going to burn in hell." You know, they 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 were all wrong. They didn't know God, even the way that God has revealed Himself to me now, and and um, and I just had a hard heart towards God and, and really godly people too.
0: Right. He didn't like preachers. No. <laughs> we're pretty good friends now, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, I like those. <laughs> we what got the you... same haircut. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's why he preaches sometimes because. He doesn't make me feel bad about my hair. Um, what would you say to somebody who is who is kind of on on the edge of maybe I'll take a step towards God? I don't know. What would you say to him?
1: I would just say, "Why not?" You know, because you know you know what you're doing is not helping. You know that uh, you're not getting answers from being inconsistent, as Doug says. If, you, if uh, it's, it's like Celebrate Recovery defined insanity, and I'd never really understood what insanity was. But it's doing the same things over and over again and then always expecting a, a change, a different result. And if you're not getting the result that you're looking for, then you know that what you're doing has to change. And I would just say, why not? Why not try it? I, just, I would challenge you to do it. I would dare you to do it. And just take one step, because that's all it took for me.
0: All right. Thank you, man. Y'all give him a hand. If you would, take your registration cards and and fill that out. Um, And then I want to challenge you today. The cool thing about God and the Bible and everything is you do not have to remain in the category you're in. One small choice, like Jason made several years ago. One step. And you can move from category one, two, or three to category four. And and not every Christian is going to produce the same amount, but every Christian should produce some type of fruit. And if you're not producing fruit, it's because you're not in the right category. So on the back of your card, if, if you want to move into that category, I just want you to write this down. This is just your testimony to God. God, I want a new heart. Maybe you're already a Christian and you just need to say, God, I need you to renew my heart. If you've never given your heart to Christ before, you say, I need a new heart. Some of you did that last week. Just write that on the back of your card. If you've got any prayer concerns, share that as well. And I would, I would encourage you to be here next week as we finish up this series. Um, in February, we're going to go into a new series on, on uh, simplifying your life. And uh, if you feel your life is out of control, then you need to be here. When you have a hard heart, when you show evidence of a hard heart is when you have no margin. You got no margin financially? You're stressed. You got no margin relationally? You're stressed. Physically, you're stressed. And, and we're going to show you in February how to get some margin in different areas of your life. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for today.